Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, broadcasting to you live from Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking all things project management. I want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad, where our focus is project management with a purpose. So before we get into a discussion with our guests, and we do have two great guests with us today, very excited to hear from them. I wanted to talk about a meeting I attended last Friday. The PMI local chapter has a series of breakfast meetings across the valley, and I attended the one in Chandler, and Rick Mason was the presenter there. And what was interesting about that presentation was Rick talked about his cycling trips that he's taken across country. And he used project management to help prepare for those trips. So he went through budgeting and how to uh, travel from Oregon to uh, Florida, right, or Virginia. And how do you pay for your hotels and how do you budget that out? Your scheduling of how far you want to get each day, uh, the requirements of how much you want to carry with your pack, because obviously you have to pedal through the mountains and all that. So he used project management in a non-business way to help him accomplish activities and tasks that really are recreational. And, and he's retired now, so it's the way that he operates on a daily basis. And I think we're going to get Rick on a future show. So that's going to be exciting to talk about project management less formal and how it can be used in our everyday life and not just in the office. And that got me thinking about my marathon training, right? So right now, I think I've mentioned on air before, I'm training for the 2018 Marine Corps Marathon, which is going to be in October in Washington, D.C. And I've tried to do similar to Rick. I've created a a defined phase of what do I need to do for this marathon? Uh, What is the date? Uh, How much training will I need to do? Am I going to do fundraising or not? Uh, Then work into the design phase of what my training program is going to look like. How many miles do I need to run per week? Which days? How much rest will I get? And so on. So I've just crossed over the first milestone, ending phase one, where I'm done training to get in shape to go training. <laughs> and, and now I'm actually, so May 1st, I started training, right? And it was great feeling to go uh, from about two months ago. I couldn't run a half a mile uh, to this past May 1st. I ran three miles, right? So the progress to get ready to now go knock out the miles. Uh, and also we've decided that we're doing fundraising for this marathon. So I've joined up with a charity called Team Red, White, and Blue. And uh, we're working to collect $2,500 in funds that goes towards supporting our veterans. We're over $850 now. So we are on our way. And if anybody wants to get more information about fundraising, you can go out to pmojoe.com. And there's a link there to donate as well as a link to learn more about the charity. All right. So getting into project management, our first guest we're going to introduce today, Danielle Holbrook-Dunn from Pivotal Payments. When Danielle and I first connected, we actually had talked about running uh, and how you enjoy doing that as well. So welcome, Danielle. Thank you. And please share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, project management and your role you have at Pivotal Payments. Absolutely. So I do love to run. And it's actually something that I got into while I was starting project management. It is very cathartic for me. Project management can be very intense. 
can be very stressful at times. Oh, yeah. And it was a wonderful escape to clear your head, to just kind of have that alone time for yourself. I'm on a bit of a hiatus, as Dana eloquently put it earlier. <laughs> I have a seven-month-old son, and it's a little harder to find time to carve out for myself to get in those runs on top of doing the project management and then the parenting. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting. So you're sprinting more than marathon running, right? That's yeah. very, very true. So three miles is is a great, a great accomplishment now, whereas maybe before I'd want to be doing a little more. So little change there. But yes, so project management, I've been doing it in the payment processing industry for the last five years. Um, It's very interesting at Pivotal Payments. I'm in our corporate project management office uh, doing all sorts of different types of initiatives for our company. I specialize in corporate initiatives, um, strategic initiatives, um, whole variety, but to have done things from product implementations, client implementations to infrastructure upgrades, um, whole kit and caboodle. And I think some big news recently at Pivotal Payments, right? I believe some executive leadership changes over there. Absolutely. We have just welcomed Mark Pike into our fold as our president. And then we have recently brought on a new SVP for our marketing channel, Craig Ludwig. Um, So we're just continuing to bring in new, exciting blood talent as we invest in ourselves and expand our set in North America and internationally. Great. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Looking forward to your input today. And our other guest I know very well, Dana DiGirolami, and she's with a company called the PMO Squad. (laughs) Yay, squad. (laughs) Uh, She's our first PMO Squad member we've had on air as I've tried to have this vehicle be open to our guests more than our company. But last our show discussion, we had on um, a discussion with uh, Kim Essendrup from the Colmy Group about project management software. And it was a great, robust discussion. And I wanted to bring on Dana, and that's really her space with our organization. So Dana, if you want to take a moment, introduce yourself. Well, hi, everybody. Um, yes, I'm Dana. I'm with the PMO squad, been with Joe since August. Prior to joining the PMO squad, I was with a large project management um, company as a managing consultant doing large, very large enterprise-wide deployments. And one of the main reasons I decided to join Joe and his company is working for a software company specifically and going into all these organizations. It sometimes would be so challenging because I wanted to help with their processes. And in so many so many situations. It was the right choice, but sometimes it wasn't. And sometimes it was too early. And so it was challenging coming in representing only one specific software, when in some cases I would think to myself, this is too much. You just don't need this much. So my role with the PMO Squad is working with organizations, helping them determine what software makes the most sense for their organization, because every single one is different. No matter what anybody says, they're all different. You have to look at what's important to deliver, what is important to your leadership, and go from there and take little baby steps. So I'm very excited to be here and talk project management software. And it's okay to mention that company that you used to work at, PlanView. PlanView, right? yes. Just like uh, Kim has partnered, his organization is with Clarison. Yep. And the PMO Squad is not partnered with any software organizations at this point. At this point. We're vendor agnostic, tool agnostic. And, and the main purpose for that, right, is to be able to go to customers with 
a complete open mind without being persuaded and trying to influence them as to which tool is right. Because as you pointed out, it really is depending on your situation, right? Exactly. So Danielle, you had mentioned obviously a whole bunch of different types of projects you've worked on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there any, and again, you don't need to get into the specifics of the project, but give us examples of some of the projects and how long those usually last and the life cycle that you go through from a project perspective and uh, just share with our listeners to get understanding a little bit more about what payment processing does and the type of projects you'd run. Sure. So it's very dependent on the type of project. That's one of the things I really enjoy about the industry that I'm in is the variety that I'm able to encounter and experience. So the life cycle that we practice is traditional in that we always want to act on formal initiating processes, and we take it all the way through formal closure, lessons learned, all of our fun transition items. So we do apply that to all projects, regardless of the type, to maintain consistency, um, not only for our team members, but for our organization. So they experience um, similar items on every project that they're participating on. In terms of the differences for the different types, Uh, When we do a client implementation, for example, it looks very different than an in-house new product rollout. So we would bring on a client, um, do initial interviewing them, defining their requirements, understanding their needs, their wants, um, really defining what's necessary or essential versus what's really nice to have. So we we go through that. Um, A lot of them are very technology heavy. So we have IT teams on both sides, both internal and external, that are engaging to implement the technology. And then we have to look outside that technology into process, into more operational or business, and understanding um, how we can meet their needs and educating them on how we can support them. So a lot of it is really partnership. So understanding if they need to contact us, how they do that, and then what that looks like. If they have an issue reporting, how we cycle that through and get feedback to them. So it's a really nice end-to-end experience. I always like to look at these projects from the client experience, their life cycle. So regardless of a project life cycle, how they experience us as a company. So typically their first um, interaction is marketing. Obviously, the name is out there. The brand is out there. So from there, it's typically sales cycle how they go through that and how they experience that um, onboarding from a contractual, so into legal, um, all the way through financials, how we're pricing, how we're selling, how we're billing, through the onboarding, activations, and then post-production support. So I try to look at it end-to-end, which is very enjoyable. What's great about that description you just provided, right, is so many times we'll go into a new client and we'll talk about project management and what they're doing, and they'll reference, well, we're, we're we're doing project management. Look, here's our schedule, <laughs> right? And they don't take into account all the integration points and the mm-hmm. business points that are part of a project. Uh, so a, a great snapshot of, of what you go through. You also had mentioned capturing requirements. Mm-hmm. And we had on Kristen Call several episodes back, and she is the president of a local IIBA chapter of business analysts. Do you integrate business analysts into your project? And how do you capture those requirements? We do. We do have dedicated business analysts, so folks who are operating in that role, uh, and they help on the different projects as needed. So in terms of 
maybe a less technology heavy or less integration heavy project, the requirements are very business focused, of course, more process, more operational. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes a project manager on our teams can handle that. Of course, that's a lot of the background that we as project managers have, um, or it depends on the scale or the size. They may ask for a business analyst resource to come in and, and do full process mapping, business requirements, gathering, traceability matrix, and all of that. In terms of the heavy technology-driven ones, yes, we bring in a business analyst. They oftentimes function not only in articulating the technical requirements, but doing solution diagramming or architecture behind it. So a lot of our business is about how information or payments flows through in a technical capacity. So the platforms, the switches, the card brands. Uh, so we we can get very, um, very detailed diagrams on there. And that really helps paint the picture and, and get those requirements nailed down and brings everybody to the same, same page. And connecting you, you with what Dana's role, right, at uh, software, obviously, in the project management space can be very helpful. And if not used properly, though, can be damaging. Mm-hmm. How does software work within Pivotal Payments to help you in your role? Sure. So I could not agree more with you, Dana, on there's some really robust tools out there. And I'd say a Cadillac, there's a lot of Cadillacs and sometimes you just just need a little golf cart. You just It just depends on what you're doing. So um, I like to think of the, them as uh, a toolbox. So there's these great toolboxes, but I might only need a hammer or a screwdriver for, for this project for, or for my PMO. So I really agree with that. Um, We use a couple of different uh, tools, not necessarily project management specific tools. Of course, we have the uh, good old Microsoft project that everybody Mm -hmm. has. So we do develop our schedules in there, of course. But in terms of other types of management, we have interactive SharePoint sites. So you can stand that up for an entire portfolio of projects. So you can see those um, interconnectedness of them. Uh, We also have a a PMO site. So this is where our entire company can come and get project status um, reports. They can find um, our information, their details, our templates, our processes, our diagrams, so they understand the governance that we put behind our PMO. And then we also have a company um, client relationship management tool we're not using that in our project management capacity, but it does play a big role in how we interact and how um, our project team members are interacting with each other in our business. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and again, again, the example of it doesn't have to be just one tool, mm-hmm. right? It can take multiple tools. So Dana, if you were an organization such as Pivotal Payments and they had a question of like, man, I'm not, there's so many Cadillacs and there are so many golf cars out there. Mm-hmm. How do we go about helping them, right? What's that look like from our process? Well, one of the things, just listening to what you're saying, you actually, your maturity level, you are at a pretty good maturity level. And a lot of the organizations that I talk with that I'm referred to just have no process. They have nothing. They think they want software. They think it's going to fix, Mm -hmm. you know, or replace what they're doing. For your perspective, I think a lot of the tools you have work. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I would look at, we do assessments, of course, and we take a look at what's important. What is it that your executive leadership wants reported upon? Are you capitalizing your projects? Are you looking at ROI? Mm-hmm. What are your KPIs? Mm-hmm. Do they need to have this information real time? What about resource forecasting? That's one of the big ones that non-project management tools cannot do. 
And so that's one of the big things almost everybody talks about. They work off these Excel sheets or they work off SharePoint, which SharePoint's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's a great tool to collaborate and have information. But if you have only so many resources and your executive leadership says, we need this project now, you say, well, which one comes, which one goes away? Mm -hmm. No, you, you just have to do this one too. We've decided this is it. It's my baby. It's my pet project. If you've got a good tool and it doesn't need to be a Cadillac. It could be um, an asana. It could be something very simple, but you need a way to show them and show them a report and say, okay, you want this project? Then you either need to give me more money, give me more people, or we have to take this project away or delay it for six months. Absolutely. And having a good project management tool is really the only way that you can do that. It does nothing but help you, your organization, and it's facts. It's there's no emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of the problem that you hear a lot from these executives. They this is my baby project and I just have to have it done. Okay, let's take the emotion away. Let's make this about facts. Look at the facts right here. And then they can't argue. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of times we'll see that there's uh interpersonal relationships that have some dips to them, challenges, <laughs> peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you're using a tool, right, it, as Dana mentioned, the emotion comes out. And now it's just how the tool has been configured, what the assessment's telling you, and then you're using data to make decisions. Yes, that's definitely something that we have been encountering over the last couple of years through our evolution. We are also using a tool called Visual Studio, mm -hmm. which is really big for dev and agile teams. It's big in the technology space. We're trying to leverage that for capacity planning uh, across not only the development team, but into our project management team as well. The current gap is the enterprise yeah. resource management. So that is where we have, we're falling back on more manual tools to grasp that from other departments. So as I was mentioning, our projects oftentimes touch nearly every department, every functional area in the business. So we have to go to those areas and say, I need a resource from you to perform X. Here's the scope. Here's what we're looking for. I need to know their allocation to that project for the, for the time of it, whether it's six months, two years. Um, what can you initially commit to? And that's where we are having to ask and they are having to figure that out for themselves within their own departments, how they're mm -hmm. doing that kind of management to be able to give us that data. It would be great if we could just see that data throughout the business. So we can see it for our dev team and we can see it for our PMO team. We know where we're all at. We know each other's capacity, but it's as we're branching out and trying to get uh, that data into some system, some tool where it's easily accessible. One of the things that <clears throat> I noticed in all the organizations, so I've been doing project management for ever, but I've been doing in this space, in the project management um, implementations, these large tool implementations for greater than 10 years. How it happened, I don't know. It just sort of happened. But what I notice is successful companies with a, a good project management tool, really any software, you have got to have executive buy-in. Yes. It is the, you have to, because if you cannot do it from the bottom up, if you don't have that executive leadership buy-in, they get it. When that happens, you will be successful. And when you don't have that, you're just struggling. You're fighting. Nobody will do timesheets, for example, unless right. it's coming from the top. Nobody's going to do forecasting unless it's coming from the top. If they don't have to do it, they're not going to do it. Yes. Very and, true. And so, I mean, 
the previous company I worked at, and they're local here, American Airlines, before U.S. Airways, and I was in the PMO there and did a plan view, actually four plan view implementations mm-hmm. while there. Prior to that, our previous CIO had said, build me one. Build me a project management tool. And I said, why? There are so many out there. there we had one in place. We had clarity in place using about 1% of it. Yes. said, no. I need these reports and nothing will provide these reports. So 18 months we spent, I had a developer, I had a tester, I had everything presented in front of the entire IT organization, this glorious tool. 18 months later, I walked into his office after my boss sent me to Hawaii for 10 days so I wouldn't run out of the building (laughs) with my hair on fire. I walked in, I said, can we go buy one now? And he said, go. So the point is, right? But this is the CIO of the company, and he was the one driving this. That that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leadership, obviously, um, when we look at the pulse of the profession reports that come out each year from PMI, the number one influencer for project success is always engagement from your stakeholders, mm-hmm. executive sponsors. So I couldn't have said it any better, right? We We don't get success in our industry unless leadership is bought in, right? So that's what we're out there trying to get. Part of that, right, is also customers' expectations, right? Yes. And Danielle, your business really is built upon working for customers, That's right? Exactly you're a service provider. For. Absolutely. So how do you handle in a project management capacity those customer expectations? So that's an interesting question because it can be, as I mentioned earlier, a, a specific client that has made custom um you know, we've done a statement of work and they need some custom development or custom integrations that we can provide to them as a service to realize their, their functionality that they'd like to have. Or it can be, we hear the same type of request or similar pain points from our client base. So that's interesting. That's when we, we have a gap in our product set, or we feel that we can, can have continuous improvement in an existing product. So when we hear those things, when we hear, you know, everyone is asking for the ability to work their chargebacks online. They want to be able to access a portal. They want to have single sign-on from this other reporting tool that we already are giving them. And they want to be able to do this online. That's when we, it's really interesting to be in the corporates or the enterprise side of a project management office, because typically product is the team that identifies that along with client experience or our contact center. So that's really where those two areas come together and they say, we're hearing this. Can you do it? And they go, we think we can. Let's put that business case together and then let's take it to the project management office and let's see what they can do with this. So that's really where the governance process or the the enterprise visibility comes into play to, to bring that to life, to deliver that value to our client base. And what's the, how does a customer respond to that, right? How how, what's, is there a feedback loop there? And Yes. So we'd love to hear all the positive ones. We'd love if everybody sure. would contact us and tell us that they, they have feedback or, or love something that we've changed or done. Oftentimes, it's us sending out that information. It's a push communication from us into the universe, whether it's uh, via social media or it's a direct communication to our clients. We do um, e- direct emails to them as well as, again, posting things, maybe improvements um, in different social media spaces. And that's where we'll hear it. Or when they call in, we may ask, 
have you been using this tool? Did you see our recent rollout of the ability to do um, this kind of reporting or this functionality in this tool? And sometimes they say, I didn't see that. And then we have the ability to share with them, yes, you can do that. This is how it works um, and get them excited through that interaction. Or other times it's kind of interesting. We don't hear maybe the communication from them that, hey, I love this. I love that you did it. But what we see is less frustration in calls. We'll actually see a difference in what we're hearing. Maybe there's less pain points being reported on something in particular. And then we know what we've delivered is giving them value and easing their life. One of the great things about the show, you had just mentioned social media there in your answer. And I just wanted to throw out to our listeners that we are on Twitter monitoring. If you have a question for Dana or Danielle or me, you can use hashtag PMO Joe and we will get your question live on air. And this is internet radio, right? So we are across the the world on air. We're not just here in the U.S. I mentioned before we went on air today uh, that I'm getting feedback now from across the globe and just had some interest from Spain come in, as well as California and other parts across the U.S. So while we're a Phoenix-based show, we're certainly catering to the world and we want to get input from across uh, all continents. So thanks for the social media reminder, Danielle. And if you have any questions, once again, just tweet them over, hashtag PMOJO, and we'll get to them on air. So Dana, a question for you is, right, everything we do should have a result. There's some outcome that we're searching for. And when we, when we look for the software, we want software to do something for us, right? Generally speaking, what are those outcomes? What are we trying to get out of project management software? The only reason to use project management software is for those outcomes. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how you need to think about it. What is important to your organization? So all organizations should have these KPIs, key performance indicators, right? What are your strategic initiatives? All companies or organizations should have these initiatives that are important to your companies. Therefore, everything you work on should roll up to one of these initiatives. This is how you're able to determine what's important to your organization. Is it that you want to grow your organization? So then it trickles down to these projects. Okay, does this project roll up to one of these initiatives? Mm -hmm. And then how do we report on or get the outcome? It doesn't need to be a report. It could be a dashboard. But that is the main purpose to just have project management software say for so people can do time entry. Well, okay, why are they doing time entry? It's because we need them to load their actual work so then we can determine what their their forecast is so we know what they can work on next. Or alternately, if your organization, if capitalization and operating expenses is important Mm -hmm. and you need to know that every time this developer works on that, we are able to capitalize that work. So the outcomes are based upon what you do, but you have to be able to measure them. And then that is how you know you are successful, right? Do you find that there are businesses who focus on specific outcomes, maybe fewer, or do people oftentimes spread themselves over many? It depends. <laughs> I'm going to say the consultant that it, it depends, but I find more than not really overextend themselves. They think yes. they, they think they need everything. Yes right? They do. They think. And now. And now. And now. No, yesterday. (laughs) They needed it yesterday and they need everything. But really in reality, most don't. Most just, they want to know 
how much they spent this month, sure. what their people are working on, what they're going to be able to work on next, how, what the status of the projects are. Are we on track? Are we on budget? You know, all the standard things. And to have a good project management tool, you get that real time. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, everybody loves project Microsoft Project. And that's great. And guess what? Almost every single project management tool out there integrates with it. Yes. So you never have to lose your project. But that's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. It's about giving your stakeholders what they need so that your corporation, your organization is successful. And also what we're trying to do, right, is if you have too few or too many, you don't have to make the total change all at once, mm-hmm. right? If, if you have one or two and ultimately you're trying to have more profitability off of a project, well, let's try to address one KPI on that project. Let's not try to tr- right. do all of them at once because the organization is already going through a change by implementing the project. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to include organizational change management on top of that. And oftentimes it becomes too hard for those organizations to handle both at once. So narrow the scope on the change management component so that the project doesn't go off track and then deliver the KPI you want and then move on to the next one, right? They don't all have to happen at once. You take that, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time. Yes. And I recommend that with all, all the organizations I work with in, in time. It's, it, it can be challenging mm-hmm. because, right, when they've got some leadership that says, we, we, not, we need it all, we need it all, we need it all. And to work with these organizations and say, I get it. But just like Joe mentioned, you've got all this change management. You've got all these people that need to learn this new software, learn the new processes. Let's just take baby steps Mm -hmm. because then you will be successful. The reporting piece is very interesting. So the dashboard or the KPIs, it's something that I've always been interested in because I think it is so it's the window into what we're doing, right? Right. So. It, it comes back to if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear or see it, did it really happen? So, yes, it did. <laughs> as a project manager, we know it did. We That's know right. it happened. But uh, to everybody else in the company, they don't know if, if you're not sharing that information um, in, in the right time scale. And in the right way. So that's something that's always very interesting. And over the last uh, few years, constant evolution, constant feedback loop, we're trying to build um, right now with our executive leadership and with the entire, the entire business, but understanding what they want to see and how often they want to see it. Right. So uh, our, our weekly reporting has, has, has grown and changed and morphed uh, based, on, based on that feedback and based on questions. So that's what's funny. You always know if you're not delivering the right information at the right time. If, someone, if you hear someone say, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know about that. Where do I go for that? Whenever I hear those questions, I think, okay, we're not, we, there's a gap here that we need, to, we need to address this. And I often ask, where do you go to get this information? Are you receiving it from your leadership? Because uh, we push it. So do they forward it on to you? Are you going to the site? Um, so that's always very interesting to see how everyone is, is working through that and how the different um, pieces of the business address that as well. Well, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So in your organization, do you do, do you have a capital planning process? Do you do that exercise? Yes and no. I don't think we're at that maturity level yet. I think it is happening, but it's not necessarily happening with project management and in all of our directions. So this year, our strategic focus for our, our department specifically is to take all of these projects, ensure that they essentially, as you mentioned, roll up 
into a strategic direction so that truly have portfolio guidance. Right. So we are creating these portfolios. We've actually had something we're just rolling out and we have portfolio managers who are really their responsibility is to work with a sponsor of that portfolio to ensure that the goals for the year, that that portfolio can deliver that to the business. So it's a great, great timing on your question. Something that we're really looking to, to grow and push on this year in particular. I used to be a portfolio manager. <laughs> I loved it. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> it, it's great. So, and that's why I asked earlier about it, it's hard when everybody has a different need in the company and they all want it yesterday. So to be able to have a portfolio manager who can really focus on those needs and wants and desires for a particular area, right. whether it's um, product technology, specifically new technology, whether it's business optimization, to refining our services and making those work better. Um, all the way through to more corporate, maybe just your strategic initiatives, um, overarching compliance and all of that. It's, right. I think it's going to be really exciting for us to to get that focus and see what that looks like. Yeah, it's always, it's not working on the most projects you can. It's working the right projects at the right time. Yes. And understanding the business strategic goals mm-hmm. to make sure that you're all working towards the same objectives. What's interesting is you feel like you have to almost sell your stakeholders sometimes on on that exactly. So like you said, they have everything that they want and they're all that's there's value in each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. But perhaps we need to focus on these because of X, Y, and Z. We can get some benefit here or we have some synergies across portfolios and projects. And then we can move on to this next group of projects or this next objective. But it really is helping them understand it's really road mapping mm-hmm. projects for a year. It's but it's interesting to to bring that understanding together throughout the enterprise. And one of the things, if you think about a project management software tool in doing these road mapping exercises, you can build in things that are important to your organization and then it can automatically, right? Mm -hmm. It can measure it for you. So you can say this, that, this, this KPI is important. The cost is important, you know, et cetera, and so forth. And then you can pop up a report. Mm -hmm. These portfolio managers can pop up a report and say, this is why we need to work on these projects. Yes. And there is, again, no emotion and it's not manual and it's real time and you have that data. Yes. And when new projects come in, you can say, where does it fit? Exactly. And so do those what if scenario exercises. Precisely. And- we mm-hmm. we had been using Excel, um, it's a tried and true, for doing exactly that, for rating, yeah. rating proposed initiatives. Uh, we have different KPIs weighted. So we're able to score them. So we have a complete scoring model and we can see the value um, in every project. And now we've just put that into a Visual Studio tool so that it'll pop that out for us and we don't have to continue just to do the calculations in Excel. So that's that's really good. That's that good progress, good. It right? is great progress. progress. So um, that's exciting. But it takes a lot of people to do that, right? You need your development team to help you get that in there. Yep. And uh, it, takes, it takes a village to Absolutely. make it happen. But that's the other beauty of project management is we are we have our hands in every cookie jar within the organization yes. because they come to us to execute the most key strategic initiatives that they're working on. And that's why I love project management so much. We we never have a dull day and we're never working on something that's not important. And why wouldn't you want to do that, right? I just mm-hmm. love it. Switching up uh, gears a little bit now, right? we all have the PMBOK that is kind of our guidelines as to what is industry best standard for project management, but it's not regulations, right? It, it doesn't say you have to do this, but 
Daniel, I would imagine in your industry, there's probably are regulations that you have to deal with. And how do you balance between what is a required regulation versus a, a best practice? Sure. That's a good question. So compliance or regulatory items are, especially in the governance or scoring scale, they're, they're a must. They're not optional. So those get weighted at the highest, actually, over anything else. So we take those requirements and they actually marry very well into the methodology that we have compiled based on, you know, PMBOK best practices. Um, they fit very well into it. They typically, they're implemented better, in my opinion, using and leveraging those best practices. So I haven't found them to be of conflict yet. They have always dovetailed and really were able to execute those items and ensure we're delivering and meeting those compliance items by utilizing the methodology and the best practices. And, and also that's to safeguard for your customers Correct. as well, right? So it, it, everything ties together. It sounds like in your portfolio, you're looking at how do we satisfy customers? How do we take into account weighted scoring measures within mm -hmm. our portfolio decisions and then execute accordingly. Absolutely. The, a lot of the compliance items that we have to address are security. So ensuring that our customers' technology is secure, that they don't ever have a breach. You hear about breaches all the time in the industry of card data, of all sorts of different um, databases that people have hacked into. So it's all it's very much a closed loop for our world. These items um, they trickle down, whether it's a mandate from a card brand like Visa or MasterCard. There's always an effect on the way we are running the business from enterprise business compliance all the way through to an everyday card holder going into one of our clients, um, maybe storefronts or shopping carts online. It, they all play off of and affect one another. It's fantastic. PCI is an example. And understanding perfect example. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Obviously, as you've described a lot of your organization to us, you have a lot of mature processes in place. And I think no organization is at the top of the level of maturity they want to get to. But Dana, when, when we look at software and understanding maturity, how do we determine which type of software would fit your organization based on what maturity level you're at? Well, there are several different ways to do that. We at the PMO squad, what we do is we do an assessment and I've got a toolkit that we use. So there are a lot of questions that need to be answered and you need to be honest, of course, about these, you know, not where you want to be where when you, you grow up, <laughs> but where you are right now in utilizing this, it, it's, it will measure it. It will wait, you know, where you are in your maturity level. And what I've found in my experiences, most organizations, I'm going to say two different ways. Most organizations are between one and two maybe two and three. Very few are at the top at five. One company I worked for a very, very long time, time ago was Motorola. Mm -hmm. They were five. Sure. They were fantastic. They, you know, the whole Six Sigma. So, you know. If that you, makes sense for them. It does. So when I worked for them, if I needed anything, it, it was there. So they would rate as a five. Okay. So on that note, sometimes an organization may be a one or two but say a PMO, maybe a two or a three. So it's, it's, it varies depending on the type of the company, the type of organization, and then determining the type of tool and what those KPIs, what the strategic initiatives, what those outputs are really makes an impact and those baby steps. But I, from my experience and Joe, I'm sure you see the same. I mean, 
Very few are higher on a scale of one to five, five being the highest, are generally higher than a three. Yeah, and, and we like to use the Gartner PPM maturity model. Right. And the interesting thing about that model, in my opinion, is not every organization doesn't need to be a maturity level five. Right. There, You want to get return on investment for your maturity. And most organizations probably get to a maturity level three and they get the ROI that they need. And that's fine. If they spend beyond that to get to a level four or level five, they may not, you know, it's wasted money, especially smaller organizations may only need to get to a, a level one or a two. Uh, but so many that we go into today are at a zero or a one. Or a negative. And, uh, and then it's a matter of helping them, you know, get to where they need to be. Yeah, I, well, I talked with an organization not too long ago who's interested in some software. And so I started talking with the team and interviewing them and simple questions. What's your intake look like? Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty good. So what do you use? Well, we use email. Okay, so that there's that. So what kind of methodology do you use? Well, it depends on the project. Do you use Microsoft Project? Do you use Agile? It depends. So no consistency, right? And so I'm thinking and I'm talking and I'm thinking, oh, their process, they really need so much help. I can help them with their processes. And you're not ready for software yet. Sure. You're just not, you're not ready to take that leap yet. We need to help define your process because a tool is not going to fix anything if you don't have a process in place. That seems to be common. I hear that often. People often say, if we only had this tool, if we only could purchase this. And it would be magic. Here's a great demo of a a million beautiful tools. And we just need this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably not it, right? It helps instead of addressing the root cause Mm -hmm. or the illness. It's, it's addressing, you know, a, a symptom. So, and I think that happens often. It, it's like a bandaid. It is. They absolutely. Think, I've got this magical, this Excel spreadsheet yes. that's 80, you know, goes to excess, <laughs> uh, humongous. And we think if we have a tool, let's just put this in the tool. Exactly. It's like, but hold on one second. Let's really look at the it's root the fundamentals. Cuts. Exactly. It's, it's the fundamentals. And I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. We always suggest tool is last. Mm-hmm. Let's get process and people worked out first, and right. then we'll move into tool. Otherwise, you're just shoveling bad stuff faster. <laughs> yeah, and, garbage and in, garbage out. That's right. Absolutely. And it probably drives very much. I'm sure you've seen Dana. It drives very much the tool you want. Yeah. So you can buy a lot of different tools, but until you know yourself as as a PMO or as a company, you may you may go with a different tool based on yeah. what you develop. And even if it's manual. So as I mentioned, using an Excel file for prioritization worked beautifully. Mm-hmm. It delivered what we needed. It brought the visibility. And then we hit a point, you hit critical mass and you're like, we need to transition this. We need to grow this into something else. But we didn't know if that was how we wanted to do it, the visibility kind of items. So it was having to go through that and use that file and get that feedback that made us have the ability to make the decision how we'd mature into the next item. One thing Danielle, you had mentioned earlier when you were talking was that you use traditional project management, and I'm going to equate that. Maybe I'll be wrong. You can correct me to waterfall. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on agile versus waterfall and and how does that play into pivotal payments? So I have a love-hate relationship with the term waterfall. I, (laughs) because I think what's happened, I think it's, it's, gained itself a bad name because waterfall is sequential, chronological, 
and that's how people always, always uh, think of it in their minds. And they think slow and they think non-variable, non-dynamic and archaic. And I don't think it's that at all. I think that it's much more. I think waterfall to me is taking a step back, understanding scope, high level scope, the entire picture, and then breaking things down from there and chunking them out is how I think of it. Chunking requirements out and chunking deliverables out, whether that's in phases or however you'd like to do it. And then I think the speed to market is where it comes to play. I think you need to be running items in parallel. I think you can be very dynamic and have change management practices very quickly in a quote unquote waterfall project. But I believe it it comes down, I think every project should start with understanding the entire scope of what we want to accomplish. Even if we don't know how we want to do every piece of it, understanding the, the picture really helps drive you. And then from there, I think you can implement a more agile or wagile approach. You can say, we understand this piece of the pie. We're going to plan the overarching pieces that we know about, and we're going to start executing them while we're gathering requirements and refining and doing um, planning or analysis on these other phases or these other deliverables. So I think it's a marriage between the two. I think it's agile. And what another great thing about the show is we get folks from all different industries to come on. And I think certain industries, especially regulated ones such as yours, Mm -hmm. there's almost a um, industry pull to the waterfall or traditional project management, whereas some of the smaller startup organizations, we had WebPT on, and uh, there's more of an agile mindset because as a startup organization, you're more iterative and get me an MVP out there that I can put out Mm -hmm. to the public, have them use it and come in with a new sprint two weeks later with a new update to it. So I would imagine your industry probably plays a little bit into that as well. We absolutely, we absolutely do. And that, and that happens at Pivotal as well. The, the, um, the agile component, the, the sprints, all of that exists and that structure is all there. And it, it does come down to the project. So if you are working on an initiative that is tech-centric or product-centric only in the technology, you can live in that space solely. When you're working on the larger, more complex projects that touch every piece of the business, technology or your technical readiness is but one component. You're looking at process mapping, at training, at delivering product materials, at rolling out legal documentation, getting sign-off from government authorities. So that's where I, I think you need both traditional and agile to be successful because I think you would miss miss the boat, miss the timeline, miss requirements by by only subscribing to one methodology or the other. And of course, that's, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. So everything in my mind always goes back to a sports analogy. <laughs> and I'm a Steelers fan. So the Steelers are for years and years have played a 3-4 defense where they use three linemen and four, and four linebackers. And us long-term fans always said, when are we going to switch up and go to a 4-3 defense with four linemen and three linebackers? but you're restricted based on the personnel you have. From a software perspective, imagine if you're a waterfall or traditional shop and you buy software that serves that process and you decide we're going to become an agile shop. You now have to go out and get new software and you have to get new process and you may have to get new people to understand that, certainly training for those folks. So Dana, how do we work with clients that are kind of looking at different approaches to process, right? A waterfall versus an agile. Certainly some tools handle both, but some really are specialized in, in one or the other. It's 
Good question. Um, so I can actually give a real life experience example of this. So while I was at U.S. Airways, before I joined the PMO there, I was hired on as a program manager for the vacations area. So the vacations piece of the website. And my director at that point decided we were going to do an agile initiative. Okay. We were the first team in the entire organization to do so. So the organization, and it is a very long, difficult, especially for a large organization to do this agile transformation to, to do that. As far, as far as software goes at that time, we just use TFS. We had TFS to do it. Tools more and more are realizing you have got to be agnostic. So there are some tools out there. And one of the, when I talk about waterfall and some of the way in that PMBOK representative way of a tool, certain things agile tools don't do. Correct. Okay. They don't report financials. None of them do because all they're focused on are these sprints in this team and, you know, each sprint and then the retrospectives and that type of a thing. Some of these more robust project management tools that people think are really waterfall, it's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter the methodology, but it's what is important to report on. I will tell you almost all of these can do it either way. You can represent the way you do your project management methodology in most tools. Now, if it is a JIRA, Mm -hmm. well, that's an agile tool. And a lot of companies really like JIRA, but then the CFO say, for example, says, I, I need financials. Yes. Okay. So you can't get that out of those tools. And then there are tools like PlanView that don't, and they'll admit it, we don't really do agile. That's not what PlanView Enterprise does, though they did just purchase an agile tool, Lean Kit. Anyways, <laughs> so it that should not be an issue when selecting software generally. That's that's really my point. It does seem to be a hangup though for a lot of entities shopping for them or trying to implement and navigate. I know that it's always one of the hottest topics. Always. Is agile, waterfall, traditional, and people in each camp have very strong opinions about both sides. Uh, it's it's an ongoing hot debate, but I agree. It, it, some of the tools that are agile specific do seem to not have. They're the, restrictive. They do seem restrictive. Uh, when When you're looking at those large complexities and when you're looking to truly report the full picture of something, including the financials and including all of that. So right. it's interesting that you say the more robust ones really are agnostic. Yep, they are. And and I do wish, you know, organizations did realize that they think they, they do that these big tools, the clarities and things like that, that's all they do. So mm-hmm. we're just not even going to look at it because we are an agile shop. So therefore, yeah. but then there's also integrations. Almost all of these integrate and usually it's pretty simple. Yes. So you can keep your dev teams and they can work in their JIRA. They can work in TFS. And then it just rolls up and then their information goes into these tools and they never have to go in there. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's a lot of people don't think about or they think it's very complex and it doesn't have to be. Do you ever see the suite of the Microsoft product suite? So Dynamics is their CRM and it ties into everything, right? right. We talked about project, Visual Studio. Uh, are companies leveraging that for their project management? A lot of them are. I, I thought yeah, so. a lot of them are. Because it ties into it does. absolutely everything. Yep. It does. Another thing we run into, and it sort of ties to software, is some organizations are less formal, or they certainly have business side components that wish project management was less formal. 
<laughs> How do you balance that at Pivotal Payments between the informal project management and formal project management? Because there's expectations in a corporate PMO to deliver a certain way. Absolutely. So I think it's a balance, like all things. It's having that speed to deliver to the business, giving them what they're asking for um, in, in a quick quick manner, but to the quality that it needs to be delivered at. But also, y- you don't want to be the funnel. Uh, we don't want our PMO to be what slows slows us down in any way, shape, or form. So we don't want to over-formalize when it's unnecessary. So if there's a simple, simple in you know, air quotes, simple, smaller in complexity request or initiative for a project, it may not need the full-scale toolkit like we talked about. And that's where understanding when you get the toolbox out and what tools you pull out, it's important that the project manager knows every single tool in the toolkit. They need to understand the hammer and the screwdriver, and they need to understand the tape measure, but they need to have the maturity on when to use each one. And I think that's important. So we really try to practice having the formality necessary and the framework, but then the maturity to say, listen, this request is, for example, we've estimated it's less than 100 hours in effort we don't need to put a full-scale project team around this and have these weekly status meetings and, and do that to accomplish this for you. That would actually slow it down to do every single deliverable or every, you know, uh, to develop a, a charter, then a business case, then your raid register, then your schedule, you know. And the sign-offs. Exactly. So it's a balance and it's something um, that we've had to learn. It's different to every organization. And I think at Pivotal, we get feedback and you have to earn that trust with our stakeholders as well. So Oftentimes, non-PMO stakeholders or those who have been elsewhere and haven't seen value, maybe they think you're an unnecessary, um, just kind of gatekeeper, and it slows them down to getting what they need out there in the marketplace. So I think it, it you have to earn their trust. You have to show your value. And, and we work at that. You want to be communicative and fast and deliver into quality. And I think as you get through a couple of those projects with stakeholders, they see wow, if we send stuff to the PMO, it's it's done well, it is done quickly. And maybe we do have to take a couple of initial steps to maybe get through that governance or provide things that we don't want to provide up front. It takes a little more work on the stakeholders end. But by doing that, we see that the quality that's coming out the other side is really there. It's a more full baked idea. And when it's rolled out, it's it's really complete. So yeah, formality doesn't have to equate to bureaucracy. But it it's sometimes people really feel that way. Yeah. So it's something that you you really got to almost practice formality while acting informal. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I think one of the problems within our industry, and again, having folks on like both of you to talk about this has been important for me. And I hope our listeners benefit from it as well, is the PMO average lifespan is about three years in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then they change leaders, change tools, change process. And as an organization, how do you respond to that? Imagine if we change our HR function every three years or our accounting department every three years, we wouldn't be able to survive. It's exhausting. And that's where they lose the credibility. And you have to come in and rebuild and then re-earn that trust all over again as an organization. So that's, for us, it's, we go, I always go back to NASA, right? When we're trying to send a rover to land on Mars, and then for a decade plus, send back pictures and dig and give us soil samples, project management needs to be robust, and it needs to be able to send something to Mars. If we're trying to do internal projects, it doesn't have to be sending a rover to Mars. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> right? It's balancing out what your internal and customer needs are and how disciplined you need to be. Mm-hmm. So it's great to hear how you've done that at Pivotal Payments because it seems like you've really responded well to your internal customers as well as external. We are really trying and we, we are not without our challenges like every organization, but the intent and the partnership is there. We truly, truly believe that our function is to serve our clients internal and external. That is our, our role and our function. We want to bring that value every single day. Um, as you said, bureaucracy is, is not the goal, but I would love to get rid of that and have no one think that at any organization, I would love for them just to see the value in project management and what we do because it is, it's so very valuable. Well, Danielle and Dana, it's hard to believe, but we are basically through our hour. That went fast. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I wanted to give each of you a moment also to let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you or give you a last chance to talk about what you're doing and your company. So Danielle, we'll start with you. Absolutely. So people can always access us and learn more about Pivotal Payments at PivotalPayments.com. We've got a presence on every major social media channel. Um, just look for Pivotal Payments. And I will say that in our Scottsdale office, we are hiring for a project coordinator. So we are looking to bring a new team member on. So if anybody is listening and knows someone and is interested, um, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can go to careers on pivotalpayments.com. You can go on LinkedIn. Um, and you're also welcome to reach out to me directly via email. My email is dhdunn, D-U-N-N, at ppi.me. So anytime, any questions, would love to hear about it. But we're always growing and changing. And uh, yeah, you can always find us. It sounds like a really uh, great place for a project management resource to be working. You Thank guys you. have a lot going on over there. We do. We do. We, we, we really value it and invest in it. All right. Dana, how about yourself? So you can contact me. So I, my last name is Everybody Butchers It. <laughs> so I'm never offended by it. Dana.Dedrolamy. I'm on LinkedIn. Please find me, reach out. If you have any questions about project management software, would love to chat. You can also go to the pmosquad.com. We do free assessments. So we love to help organizations just better understand what they maybe want to be when they grow up (laughs) or what they want to be right now. So feel free to go out there to the pmosquad.com. You can look under the technology assessment. Go ahead and click on free assessment. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook. Go ahead and reach me there too. Great. Thank you for being on. So everyone, this is a reminder. We are live the first and third Thursday each month. We are on at 11 a.m. Phoenix time. And we look forward to our next show on May 17th. I want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They're 100% project management focused 100% of the time providing leadership to set up project management best practices, PMOs, project management training, PMO software selection and support, and project managers to run your key strategic initiatives. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours, our retrospective on project management lessons learned.